Welcome to Demystifying Tech, a business cloud podcast which examines the impact of technology on industry and wider society. In each episode, a technologist from one of the UK's most innovative companies will break down a key area of tech and offer practical takeaways for your business. In this episode, we are joined by Inevitable CEO Ben Grubert. Inevitable aims to make innovative technologies, such as machine learning, accessible to all, working with startups and larger enterprises to develop ethical artificial intelligence. Today, Ben will help us to define AI, discuss the hot topic of generative AI such as ChatGPT, explain the rapidly evolving regulatory landscape, and consider how you can harness AI within your business in a responsible way. So Ben, big question to start. Define artificial intelligence in a nutshell for our audience, please. In a nutshell. In a nutshell. Okay. And, and, and also how has it evolved over the decades? Um, so it is better to describe it as an evolving discipline um, in the same way that science is um, in general. The, uh, the first premise was set down by Alan Turing, uh, the same guy who, you know, from, uh, from the whole kind of, you know, Enigma, um, Invitation Game movie. So he was, you know, he's the father of computer science. Um, his original premise was if humans, if you can describe humans, uh, experiencing the world as in, ingesting information, doing some form of calculation and then outputting something, then outputting some form of result or decision, then why can't computers do the same? And that was the original, the original premise of it. The, it's come a long way since the 1950s. Um, however, the, there's a couple of working definitions to do with the emulation of human like decision-making and um, learning and so, and so on and so forth. But the, one of my favorite definitions is um, from a guy called Larry Tesla, which says that uh, AI is, is, uh, is whatever we haven't already done yet. And that kind of, it, it's a kind of humanized definition of it. And it explains the reasons why it always feels like we've always had AI, but it's always changing. It always feels like we're just about to have AI as well. And the, the reason why is because what we haven't realistically done in a particularly good way is define levels of the automation of what kinds of decision making we're doing and what kind of problem sets and what kind of tasks we're actually managing to, to complete. And as a result, you know, in the 80s, we kind of went through feed forward neural networks and, and so on. That, that had this like big, big boom and proliferation. Um, and now we're coming to the point where more and more tasks, the things that we, we actually interact with all AI all the time. Um, but the, you know, things like predictive text messages right the way through to Spotify recommendations. And it's quite often the, the thing that automates something, some component of, of a process that we already engage with. But it's always getting better. And we obviously large language models are now just a, a part of that evolving process. Um, AI mostly these days is um is a facet of computer science and data science in particular where you take you take a bunch of data that has within it a um both the problem and the solution and you essentially just do use automated statistics to build a model which can then when given the new a new problem that's contained within that data set spit out a something or solution and that defines machine learning deep learning and that kind of the the areas that they call stochastic ai um but it's, it's obviously come a long way. The real trick is to know where it's going next um, and how to, what to do about that. Where it's going at the moment is 
open ai's chat gpt google bard so these large language models which i mean chat gpt launched last late last year and seems to have taken over doesn't it so you know everyone's you know putting prompts in and and trying to generate i don't know copy for an event it can obviously develop software programs by using the prompts as well i saw that there was one company that's actually hired a chat gpt expert someone who's whose explicit position is to just literally use chat gpt to develop their business so can you just sort of sum up for us where we were let's say november last year and where we are now with these models one one thing i, I, I kind of want to point out is that the large language models or the, the, the particular algorithms behind them the data sets we, we've kind of had this technology for some time but all of a sudden it's the proliferation of that as in the the uh, the public are waking up to to this um but the you know we've um this is a technology that we've been looking at for some time um and evaluating you know go, signing up to the betas and kind of keep keeping track of that but generative um it's actually something that um we started looking into generative the, the combination of, of machine learning and generative algorithms way back in 2018 um we put a really big bet on on that one in particular uh, because we knew that that was going to be the kind of the the most successful technology that's likely to come out of this but the um it it has made a huge impact it, and more importantly it's it definitely we haven't seen the bottom of that um the technology has had a particularly web-based technologies have had a huge um there's, there's this uh, kind of motion that happens where a large technology will or game-changing technology will come out and then to a degree, big eye innovation, um, that kind of the same innovation that caused that to happen, kind of stops in that area. Then we have end up with this, this proliferation of technology. Um, so I like to think of kind of uh, large language models like ChatGPT as the equivalent to the search engines that caused the dot-com boom and kind of came out of, around that and supported supported that during the sort of uh, the web, you know, web one, web 2.0 days. Um, and it's a good, that's a good analogy realistically, because it's, it's the way that humans interact with the technology that's most interesting, but it does, you know, these large language models do have the ability to, um, uh, not just kind of break the internet as it were, but potentially, and this is the research that we've been doing is it has a potential to actually become kind of the next backbone of the internet intrinsically, which is very interesting um definitely don't have time to go into the detail but yeah uh, just to do with the, the the way that they interact and the protocols behind them so i've just been writing a story up today with a company called n8 so they've um released a version of their workflow orchestration platform called n8 ai and what they do is they um it basically massively increases the ability to kind of categorize emails for example auto generate responses um and means that you don't need to use uh, as much of your resource to kind of monitor those platforms and you know monitor the the training of it if you like and how it delivers it it just kind of works so rather than just looking at open ai or, or chat gpt as this massive platform where which will do everything it's actually the integration of models like that into existing companies and companies are getting more able to kind of augment what they're already doing right 
Yeah, and that, that's what I'm describing as the, uh, as the proliferation of technology. It's, it's um, companies onboarding it, finding use cases for that, exploring that, um, and it's going to hit a natural plateau in its uh, in that kind of that kind of proliferation um, in its own in its own sense. But you know, the, the, the general thrust is that uh, it's kind of taking more of a computer science minded approach towards businesses. You know, why do something once when you know, why do something every time when you can do it once properly? And that's the kind of um, you know, solving solving new and novel problems, which is the kind of the movement from there, is that kind of response to your, your statement. So let's talk a little bit about Inevitable. So you're based in Manchester. As you said, you and Sean O'Mahony sort of founded it in 2018, took a bit of a gamble. You said, you know, AI, you know, a gamble that wasn't really a gamble because you knew AI was going to be the big technology. What, what, what's your expertise? So we, we research new forms of AI um or how to build ai in new in new and innovative ways um which means that that's the reason why we're always looking the reason why we're always looking at the kind of the bleeding edge of that tech uh, so new machine learning algorithms new processes and particularly the conjunction between we've, we've been very very good at the conjunction between um, machine learning and bordering technologies such as uh, generative algorithms quantum so on and so forth but the that's what we we, we did uh, towards the end of uh, 2019, we put this really big bet on, on that particular intersection of technologies because uh, we kind of saw that that would be the case. And we, we ended up, we came to develop an algorithmic approach, which meant that we could um, create AI models um, with the, um, which are more powerful from the same data or build um a more a scalable solution from far less data just because of the, the kind of algorithms that we that we developed because we look in comparison to other data science companies we also take that kind of very granular approach but we also look at the kind of overarching strategy um and the we develop uh, so you know now we develop artificial intelligence for businesses that are looking for a competitive advantage and we we're able to bring a, a scalable system now to to companies um no matter what sort of uh, stage they're at from startups right the way through to kind of large enterprises uh, and the because of that ability to look at the bigger picture and because um of the efficient algorithms that we have in the process that, that we have that brings up um that means that we can build ai and ai responsibly um for them so that's the the, the meat and potatoes of it. We also do a little bit for um, sort of research specifically, as well as due diligence for investors and so on and so forth. Because um, you know, the, there's a lot of that in, in the business world where uh, you know, companies will say, "Oh, we've got AI that does this." It's, you know, it's easy to bring us in for that kind of that kind of topic. And you know, quite often we go, "Well, okay, maybe, maybe they haven't done it." But the good news is, this is how they can. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, that's the kind of thing that we do. We have this. We have a platform that allows businesses to have that scalability from the offset. We spoke in a previous interview, and the example you gave to me was how an AI image recognition system might identify a chair differently to a three-year-old child. You know, if they were doing that same task. You know, it's all about context, isn't it? So contextualization, and and actually, your gran the granular level of detail that you guys go into, understanding all the moving parts within an AI, means that you can actually create it ethically. It's not just an overarching tool, isn't it? So can you just explain a, a little bit more about that for us? So specifically with regards to context, I mean, so if you, this is this is something that's, that's quite accessible if you think about it. Context is absolutely key to the way we learn. 
um, both human learning and machine learning. A single data point without context can't actually convey any information um, whatsoever, realistically. It's, it's the fact that we have, are able to contextualize that information that, that leverages that and allows us to be able to abuse um, rules and things that we understand as rules and properties that allow us to be able to um, extrapolate and generalize that into greater, into sort of greater depth of knowledge. Um, so a child would, you know, um, the way that a child learns, and this is, this is a, to a degree, this is, um, I, I will happily have long conversations about this and straight up arguments with, with certain people, uh, you know, on, on this, on this kind of topic, but the, um, it's the information that's come to that child in advance of that that allows the child to be able to take on this new information and imbue that a chair is a chair for a given value of chair and a chair is imbued by the properties that, it, that it, of its use cases. And as a result, it can learn from significantly lower, lower data sets and not be confused by a, a beanbag. In comparison, you know, an image recognition system will learn, you know, classically will learn in total isolation. And as a result, it is looking for those granular details from picking that out. And, you know, there were lots of examples of um, things that happened in lots of the pictures, but weren't, were, that weren't appropriate uh, because it was picking the wrong context. So for instance, you know, there was a, an image recognition system that was built, which uh, identifying sheep um, and started identifying all stone walls as sheep. Um, because because the, the image the image set that was being created that how it was created for that had lots of dry stone walls in the background, and that's a, that's an important point. Um, but the going into that understanding that level of of granularity allows in the in the way that the information is conveyed means that we can be very very surgically precise in the information that is being used is being collected to ensure that a from the absolute beginning. To ensure that there's um, that uh, the, the system that can come out of that is, is ethical from the outset, because um, perhaps this is slightly naive, but the, when we advise on a, a business, the majority of the businesses will take an ethical approach when they're given the option to do so. What they don't tend to do is, unfortunately, once it gets to the point where it's too late, that's when they that's when they won't. Uh, you know, if they've already built something, they kind of double down after that point. So early intervention is kind of key there. A little bit like building a business in such a way that when you you come down the line, you, you're not. Let's say that you were looking to raise investment or sell your business. You didn't. You wouldn't want to be, get tripped up by the unknown. You've, you've made an unethical decision almost by accident. Same thing with AI, right? You need to understand it, or 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 work with people who do understand it. Apply it in in the areas where it needs to be applied. Collect the data in an ethical way, and actually, as you go forward, you can. Kind of iterate upon how you use it along as well as you go but if you're trying to part, do like a, a wholesale application at the, at the outset when you go further down the line you might be screwed right once again context is key um, and the um if you try and take an iterative approach and learn learn as you go the there's a lot that you end up missing um the you end up kind of playing this kind of weird technical debt whack-a-mole where you, you build something and then find out that you, you've created another problem and another problem and so on from there so the the best way to to talk about tech ai and ethics you can't well you can't really do so without talking about things like bias um and there are certain checks and balances that need to be put in place and the um so we never ever build artificial intelligence using a one-person team uh for instance it's in, it is 
the the bias of the people who are working with the data is intrinsically important so as a result you a, a multi um, a diverse team of individuals that are capable of checking each other's bias is has to be part of that because you can't check your own unconscious bias by definition um or at least we don't we we, we haven't worked out a, a way to do that as of yet and i'm not saying that we i'm not saying that we we get everything right um but it's like cyber security the first step is to is to do it and is to think about it and you, know, you have to build that in as the approach my my concerns is that that's not necessarily being built in um it's not being enforced built in or put into our culture of development that would be a great idea for what i liked when we had our conversation before was how you said that you dedicate a large amount of your time to um to r d to thinking about ai and getting mm -hmm. that approach right one of the things that you just mentioned there was um about the the ethical side of things as well was where looking at the unconscious bias that leads us nicely onto our reader questions where um one of the questions that came through was is ai is ai going to end the world which slightly facetious maybe but on a serious note you know what are the dangers posed by its sudden growth because you know what is the ai being ai being trained on is one there are some serious concerns i'm i i'm not you know um I'm, I'm, I'm not going to um to, to to muck about on that the however the there's a lot of misconceptions as to where those concerns lie the um it's there is uh, uh i give a talk and it kind of starts off with you know there is a struggle right now concerning ai but it's got nothing to do with skynet um and you know we should, sure we should say for the benefit of the, the younger listen, listeners that we're talking about uh, Terminator here. <laughs> we are referring to Terminator, yes. But the, the important part is when you automate human decision-making and then you place that into an algorithm, that then it, it does so by taking, by often by taking the previous decisions that were made. If you... If we take something like tech recruitment, for instance, or any any recruitment, um, the data sets that are often required in order to do that go historically. And what is ethical now isn't what was ethical then. And when you really scrutinize that, you find that even now there's a huge amount of bias within those decision making. And we're coming to the point where Artificial intelligence has this huge, huge power, this huge ability to be able to create to um, to create equitable services and to be able to because we're finally getting to the point where we're actually actually being able to look at the intrinsic flaws in human like this in human decision making, and by analyzing that directly, we can create systems which do not have those. Um, there's an interesting case, uh, state versus Loomis, to do with um, recidivism, which anybody can look up themselves. But the takeaway from that was that a judge handing out prison sentences when they when they uh, when they looked into it, they found that there was huge amounts of bias that were being placed into that decision making process. Um, and secondary to the the action that was done, the um, you know the crime that was actually committed. The only other fact, the, the, the second biggest factor was the ethnicity of the individual that was being sentenced. Now, once you understand that, if you collect those properties and you make sure that that is um, rather than rather than simply not collecting those properties, you ensure that that 
isn't something that factors in, but it's intrinsically or by proxy, like postcode or something, um, then you're able to create something that is capable of creating a fair, equitable, repeatable service that actually, in a way, out ethics humans, um, because it's very difficult for any judge to be able to, to hand out that kind of same transparent decision-making process. But the the dangers to do with sudden sudden proliferation and sudden growth are that we we don't seem to be able right now to focus on the actual the, the, the problems to ensure that the businesses that are creating these AI systems are doing so and putting the right checks and balances in place. Um, it's they're very easy to do, and um, but there's no. There's there there isn't any intrinsic reason for them to do so. And mitigate against some of those those potential issues. Um, regulation is key, and a lot of politicians have been playing lip service to this. So you know, in the UK, we're going to be hosting a, a summit on AI uh, later this year. Uh, James Cobbler, the foreign secretary, uh, was talking about it in New York recently when he chaired um, a United Nations Council meeting, Security Council meeting. But this guy N8. Uh, Kit Cox that I referenced earlier one of the things he said is I really don't think the UK government in particular um, appreciates what's coming down the line and and the wide-scale disruption that's coming do you think that the the UK's approach to regulation is effective and how does it differ to to those of other countries that is a reader question not one of mine so I can't take credit for it <laughs> well it's a it's a very good question I take um, I take the credit for the for the very long intro I apologize for that of course <laughs> uh, the well, so um, now, okay, the the UK is um, the the easiest comparison between the, the UK legislation and the, the sort of stance and the strategy that we're taking is would be to compare it against the EU. Uh, the EU have taken a very firm and very prescriptive approach. They've they've developed a list of things which are considered unacceptable, um, and they have outlawed those things. Now the and the create you know the the whole point is to create versions of things like the ICO specifically for this particular type of regulation to be to be enforced. Um, now the by placing things that are off the table and implementing a risk based strategy to ensure that all companies that implement artificial intelligence place their work on this risk register so that they're able as in their own risk register so that they're able to mitigate the those worst effects and quantify that and work through it. There's a dynamic approach that's that's um, that's capable of being created, and the you know the which it it does it does work. In comparison, um, the UK is taking more of a um, uh, an approach which works within the current legal frameworks. Um, so, for instance, the the idea being instead of creating a new ICO, we go well actually the you know transparent decision making. And transparent data processing is something that is more relevant to GDPR. Um, technically, uh, GDPR uh, states that you um, essentially outlaws deep learning networks because you're, you're unable to to show how you're processing data. Um, now, that's the the, the kind of the, the thought process behind that, and the it means that we're taking a more kind of flexible approach where we allow for those kind of uh, th those problems to emerge but without closing the door on big big innovations the 
which is an interesting it, it is an interesting approach you know it's it's aligned with the kind of um you know make britain a global superpower ai superpower um kind of national tech strategy uh you know rather than um rather than outlawing things now the there is a concern that um obviously that means that we're essentially in a way waiting for the titanic to sink the first one it, the, then we go and would tell people when to you know how many lifeboats to build and we legislate for that so my my concern because we work with a lot of startups is startups when when you're faced with building tech and you're building a, a tech-based startup you have this enormous blue sky you can do anything anything that any problem that you can that you can think of you can solve to a certain degree that's within your within your capability so there's nothing wrong with saying well Here's here's a concrete foundation of stuff for you to just avoid, and just to give that certainty. That kind of helps to a degree. Um, what doesn't give certainty is saying, well, you know, it might become illegal later, um, and that's the kind of thing that the you know. So there will be um, from company to company. There's a business risk around things which the things which violate the EU regulation. So the chances are. Most smart, savvy companies will build their artificial intelligence such that it is conformant to EU regulation anyway. However, without that being enforced in the UK as of yet, on the assumption that they're either going to expand into the EU or that it's going to come into effect anyway. So the that's a good approach to make. Oh, alternatively, you take the, the kind of high-risk strategy and build something which is you know classically considered unethical because most of the EU legislation is kind of ruling out things like emotional regulation within border control uh, sorry emo emotional recognition in border control systems or um and you know it talks about uh the, you know creating um using artificial intelligence for the um for the for political sort of uh, changing voter perspectives in political situations as far as i'm concerned it wouldn't be a terrible idea for us to kind of legislate against that that sort of that sort of stuff um we might as well do so so very uh so very complex subject for for even us to understand never mind the politicians who don't know anything about tech <laughs> this is the, the part of the pod where we ask you for your tech takeaways a few quick fire tips for businesses looking to harness ai in an ethical and responsible way what are your okay. quick tech takeaways i'm not sure if i can do anything quickly <laughs> This is so, it. We could go, we could down, go down some rabbit holes, you and I, and we, and we have done in the past. Oh, we have. <laughs> um, so my, my, my tech takeaways, um, first and foremost, assume that what is considered ethical now will be, will be considered legal later. It is, you know, the, there's no point in flying close to the wind. There is so much, um, there's so much value that could be created by a system without violating um ethics then i don't see any particular reason not to do so and it's better to be able to create something now than to have to um, retrofit or adapt that later it's just smart um and there's a lot of if you're a startup investors don't tend to want to get involved in systems which um will later become sort of ethical problem uh, sort of uh, there will be ethical problems and with them later so it, it is something that they do take into into account that the kind of uh, the popular mindset of that even if they're unaware of it that's that's number one number two um we don't know so you you've been mentioning gpt yes that is the one that everyone's discussing at the moment 
However, um, OpenAI's GP um, creator said that we've, he thinks that we've hit a plateau and there aren't going to be any more um, large language models. Of course, if I was him, I would say that, wouldn't I? Um, now, however, we don't, we genuinely don't know, out of all of the large language models, whether GPT is going to be the next Google and it's going to be the search engine, the version of a search engine which builds the next backbone of the internet, or whether it's going to be the next Yahoo. We don't know. We don't know, you know, the, you know videotape, uh, Betamax, and that's the kind of the, the, the same analogy, right? So I would suggest that if you're going to build now and you're building your tech stack on something on, on other technologies such as large language models like that, to build flexibly, to ensure that you're able to keep up with the moving tech. My next one is um, there's this chicken and egg problem with regards to data, AI, you, know, you need data um, in order to build the AI, you need AI to be able to deliver the service, the service in order to get the data. There are ways to avoid to 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 get into that um, and to avoid to to kind of not get into that chicken and egg problem, um, but they all start at the the um, having that that skill set. So it's a good idea to um, uh, to build it into your strategy where where this AI is going to come from, making sure that you are collecting the right data, or you're doing so in an ethical manner, so that you're able to to uh, to to deliver that service. So avoid the that chicken and egg problem um, of data. The next one is um, stay on top of AI. There are certain there are certain services which which died out during the dot com boom. It's a good idea for it better to self than to be disrupted. Um, so stay on top of AI, and it's with all of those kind of changes. It's a good idea to get early advice. Um, you know, from startups building their start their tech from the, from the ground up, or taking existing businesses and converting the strategy. I would rather give free advice to somebody for twenty minutes, a couple of hours. I'd rather do that than be brought in later after someone's kind of tried to do this kind of weird whack a mole approach and they've gone down this this created this massive knotty problem um, later on. And as a result, you can. Um, you can plan everything out prior to committing and prior to or prior to go for funding if that's you know if that's the route you were looking to to, to go down. Um, I'm happy to give advice. Um, I'd rather and I'd rather do so. Uh, so you know, or reach out to to anybody that really knows their stuff and make sure that they know their stuff. Uh, I've, you know, uh, trigger word. Anybody who says uh, AI is complicated, that's just shorthand for they don't know what they're talking about. My, my trigger word is whack-a-mole. I'm now. Whack I'm going to go straight from from this interview, and I'm going to go and play whack-a-mole in a local arcade. <laughs> right. Tell me something. Tell me something about yourself or your business that might surprise me. Is, is oh, our last God. final question. You know, I, I'm just. Uh, it's my my role inevitable to, to 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 be the mouthpiece. I'm you know I'm only one member of the team, so I'd rather I'd rather go from the whole team's perspective. Um, so one thing that would surprise people, I guess, to a certain degree, is. Um, we named our company by making it by writing an algorithm. You know, that's the um, that was the that was the approach that we took from the outset. And I think that to a degree, it kind of tracks with the way that we do ev absolutely everything else. Um, but the you know that's the and I, I guess it's not that big a deal necessarily to do that now, maybe. But it certainly was in 2018. So you know, that's the um, yeah, that's that's our that's our thing. I remember the days of um, generating a Wu Tang 
what is your Wu-Tang Clan name and uh, things like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Back in the early days. Listen, Ben, it's been an absolute pleasure, you know, sharing your insight into artificial intelligence, uh, you know, how businesses can adopt AI in a responsible way and trying to ex just explain a little bit more about how you need to kind of go under the hood and go down to that granular level of detail to understand the, the mechanisms of AI and, and, and make sure that they, that it, that it's, it's, used appropriately in the right places instead of just trying this overarching approach which just leaves you stranded down the line you've got to um, build it into your business strategy it's you know it's this isn't just tech for the you know for the cupboard anymore this is this is something that you know uh in the same way that a business owner would have to learn how to use a financial forecast you have to know how to you know how you're going to adopt it built so that and you don't have to know all of the algorithms behind that, but you do have to know how you're going to be using it within your business strategy. That's my ultimately that that's the that's that's the super important bit. Yeah. If anyone's getting feedback on today's episode, you can contact Business Cloud on LinkedIn or Twitter, stroke X, whatever we're calling it these days. You can comment on the video episode of the podcast on YouTube, and you can also drop us an email at podcasts at businesscloud.co.uk. If you enjoyed the episode and found it useful, please like and subscribe on your preferred platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, or your usual podcatchers to be among the first to hear more insights from renowned UK technologists. Thank you for listening and see you soon. The Mystifying Tech is a business cloud podcast produced in partnership with pan-European B2B tech PR and communications agency Taito. New episodes are streamed on Business Cloud's YouTube, LinkedIn and Twitter pages from 12pm on the second Friday of every month, while you can find all episodes on YouTube and all major audio podcast platforms. Subscribe now so you never miss an episode.